Welcome once again to Searching the Scriptures radio broadcast. We do appreciate you tuning in again today as we look into the Word of God and trust that these lessons, these Bible studies are helping you. As always, I encourage you to get your Bible open and follow along with us today as we look into the Word of God because I want you to see what the Bible actually says, not merely what it's presumed to teach. And so the best way to get on the same page is for us to get a hold of the same authority. You see, on this program, your opinion and my opinion, we'll just throw that out the window. Uh, our opinions may clash and may be differing, but many times both opinions are wrong. In fact, uh, on this program, we're not much interested in anybody's opinion, religious or otherwise. In fact, on this program, we're not dealing with anything that's obtuse and as fragile as human opinions. When it comes to eternity and knowing God and what God requires, how to get to heaven, how to live while we're on our way there, uh, listen, I don't need opinions or religion or creeds. What I need is the living words of the living God as found here in this King James Bible. And so I invite you to get your Bible open and follow along as we look into the Word of God. This week, I'm going to be in Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to begin our study there and read down into the first few verses of chapter 4. So let's read together here in Ephesians chapter 3. We'll begin reading in verse 14. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, is writing this epistle, this glorious and wonderful epistle of Ephesians, uh, to the church at Ephesus and to Christians uh, everywhere. And he says in verse 14, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Let me stop right here and ask you a question, those of you listening today. Have you received Jesus Christ by faith? Have you looked to his pardoning blood on Calvary's cross and received the gift of eternal life through him? Because if you have, you did it. If you've passed from death to life, if you're saved, you were saved by faith. That Bible still says in Romans 5, 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And now that we're saved, the Bible says, in ver if you're saved, verse 17 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. He dwells in my heart by faith. What about yours? That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, I want to call your attention today, quickly here, in verse 1, chapter 4, verse 1, to a particular word, and it is the word vocation. That word vocation, it only shows up one time in your King James Bible, right here in this verse. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Now, remember, this book, the book of Ephesians, was written to those who are in Christ Jesus, Read Ephesians 1.1 and you'll see how that Paul wrote to the Christians at Ephesus as well as all the faithful in Christ Jesus. That's to all Christians everywhere. And so I want to point out that every Christian 
has a vocation that they've been called to. Now listen, that vocation, we're not talking about earthly jobs. Vocation means, uh, it, it means an occupation, a profession, a career, or a job. And that's what it is. We, we've been given an occupation by God Almighty, but we're not talking about being a mechanic or an electrician or a plumber. Those are earthly vocations, if you will. There's nothing wrong with that. But each and every Christian has been called to a vocation. Every man, woman, boy, and girl that knows the Lord Jesus Christ and the pardon and forgiveness of sins, according to this verse, has a vocation. Now, Laodicea, listen to me. Look real close with your eyeglasses at that word vocation. Uh, if you mess up one vowel in that word, uh, you'll, you'll get way off track. Some Laodiceans read this, Ephesians 4.1, and they misread it, where, and they think that Paul said that you walk worthy of the vacation wherewith you're called. No, he's not calling us to vacation. He's calling us to our vocation. And every one of us that's been born again and washed in the blood of Jesus Christ has a vocation. And our occupation, our vocation is to bring glory and honor to our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not going to spend uh, too much time on, on this other than this, other than to point out on my first point, there is a purpose, excuse me, there is a purpose for this vocation. That purpose is to glorify God. Do you know why you are here, Christian friend? You were created a new creature in Christ Jesus. And the Bible says in a Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, one of the most important verses in the Bible, because it tells you why you are here and what God expects from you. It says in Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, now watch it, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. We were created for God's pleasure. And listen, the Bible says that every born-again believer was, uh, God has predestinated us, listen, to be conformed to the image of his son. So you know what God wants? There was one man that walked upon the face of this earth that God ever could look down and say, I'm pleased with this man. And that was none other than the son of man, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and listen, when he was baptized and when he took uh, his disciples to the top of the mount, on the Mount of Transfiguration, you'll read in the Word of God how uh, the Father spoke from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That's the only man that God ever said that about. Well, listen, He saved us with a purpose. And our vocation we've been called to has a purpose. And that purpose is to bring glory and honor to God, to please God. And that pleasure comes from being more and more like His Son, Jesus Christ to be more and more conformed to the holiness and the righteousness and the character of Jesus Christ. You see, many Baptists mess this up right about here. They think, well, I'm glad I trusted Christ. I'm glad, preacher, I know where I'm going when I die. Well, praise the Lord. I'm glad you know. If you know where you're going, I'm glad you do. But I'm going to tell you something. Salvation is more than just getting you out of this life and into heaven. Certainly, that's one of the great blessings of and comforts in our heart, knowing We've passed from death to life and knowing that we have eternal life and will one day be with the Lord in heaven. That's wonderful. All but listen, there is a purpose. When you get saved, God changes men and women and boys and girls so that we might bring honor and glory to his name and bring pleasure to him by becoming more and more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That is what we're called to. That is our job. That is our vocation is to be more and more like Jesus Christ 
and to allow him to live his life through us. That's our vocation. That's the purpose of it. You know what the world needs to see? It needs to see some more uh, real Christianity. They're tired of all this fake stuff. Uh, listen, when you got saved, you became a child of God. And if, you ha- if you're a parent and you have children, you know what you worry about? You want your children uh, to behave properly. You know why? Because they're a direct reflection of you. And so you know something? God wants us to behave as his only begotten son did so that we're a good reflection to this world of who God really is. And boy, how many times have you heard someone say, I'm not going to church because of all the hypocrites there. Well, we realize that they're being quite the hypocrite themselves when they say that. Nevertheless, there's plenty of fake Christians walking around, some of them who are even saved, who just live in a backslidden, stagnated state, and they bring reproach upon the name of Jesus Christ. And people are tired of that. You understand that the Bible says that we're to be in samples, I love that word in sample. It's a little different than the word example. In sample means that you're a little taste of Jesus Christ. You know, when you go to Sam's Club and you walk around in there and they have all those tasting centers where they give you a little taste of some hot sausage or maybe some kind of a ice cream, they want you to taste that so you get, uh, you, you get to want more of it so you'll take it home with you. Well, you know what? God has put us down here as his children and he's called us with, uh, to a vocation. And uh, we're to walk worthy of that vocation because you know what he wants us to be? He wants us to be a little sample of Jesus Christ so that people can taste and see that the Lord is good. And so you know what they'll want to do? They'll want to take the Lord Jesus Christ uh, home to their heart too. Amen. And so we need some more reality of this. There is a purpose for this vocation. But uh, the most important thing I want you to notice today is the practice of this vocation. Uh, Listen, it's it's a walk. The Bible says here that we should walk worthy of this vocation. We've been called uh, to be more and more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And the purpose here of our vocation is to bring glory and honor and pleasure to God, our Father and Creator, who saved us from the wrath to come. But listen, this, uh, this vocation is to be lived out every day in our everyday life. You see, this vocation is not something you just do on Sunday morning. This vocation is a lifelong uh, uh, calling. There's never a time that you're not on duty, so to speak. Your vocation is 24 hours a day, seven days a week, week after week, month after month. And uh, God has designed that this vocation we've been called to would be lived out in practice in our everyday life. I want you to notice something in verse 1 of this verse. We're looking at this Ephesians 4.1 that we're picking apart today. It says, Paul says, I therefore. Now, when he starts into chapter 4, Paul does, as he so often does in his other epistles, he divides his epistles up. The first thing you read about is doctrinal truth. And certainly, this is the layout of the book of Ephesians. You could, let, you could uh, divide this book up two ways. When I say divide it up, I mean uh, how you would outline it or how you would lay it out. In Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3, Paul explains some of the deep doctrinal truths about the body of Christ and about how the blood of Christ has brought Jew and Gentile together in the same body, how we're saved by grace without works, how we've been predestinated in him to have an inheritance and all of these things in Ephesians 1. The first three chapters are loaded with great doctrinal truth. But listen to me. Truth is designed to affect our hearts and therefore affect our lives. The old saying is belief affects behavior. And what you believe, if you really believe it, 
And if it's really going to do the work in you that it's supposed to do, belief will affect how you live. Nobody cares about these Christians who know everything. Listen, I, I have, I've gone through stages in my own Christian life like that. I used to learn the Bible just so I could know more than someone. Well, listen, uh, God blessed it because I was immature and learning and growing and still growing to this day. Uh, Christianity is a growth process. We're to get rooted and grounded and established, but we're to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But early on, when you first start studying the Bible, many times you're studying to get answers to refute those who teach unsound doctrine and those who teach uh, heresies. And there's nothing wrong with that. But listen, God doesn't give us the truth of the Word of God, and He doesn't throw light on the truth just so you can out-argue someone or just so we can out-argue someone. Uh, certainly, it's proper to pull the sword and use truth to straighten out falsehoods. But listen to me, this truth is designed first and foremost to affect you personally and your walk in Jesus Christ. And so you'll notice in Paul's writings, there's many times they'll be right about the middle of the book or wherever there's a, a pivot point in that epistle. He'll say, therefore, in other words, what I've just shown you, the doctrinal truths that you've just learned. And in this case, Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 is what he's referring to. Uh, because of what I just said, here's what you need to do. So Paul in Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 begins to apply these great doctrines to our day-to-day -day life and how that these things are supposed to affect us as Christians. And so he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of this vocation, of the vocation wherewith you're called. So there's a, there's a practice of this vocation. It says we're to walk this vocation. It's not enough to know the truth. Uh, you have to apply that truth for it to be effective in your life and for people to see it. This vocation is a call to walk worthy in our day-to-day -day life. Listen, you'll notice something. Uh, the victorious and fruitful Christian life, it is not a performance. Christianity is not a set of rules and regulations. Uh, listen, Christianity is to be lived out of your, in your day-to-day -day life from day to day, hour to hour, day to day, week to week. It's not just saying, okay, I'm going to stop doing X, Y, and Z and start doing A, B, and C. In fact, I know some people who have fallen into that trap. Uh, they quit doing a few things. They, cut some, they separated themselves from some old sins, which is a good thing. And then they took up a few things to do, like handing out tracts or preaching publicly or going door to door or giving uh, you know, a tithe. And those things are all correct activity. But here's the snare. Are you, are you with me? Here's the snare. If all your Christianity is, is I don't do this, this, or this, and now I do this, this, and this, you've missed the big blessing of being a Christian. Because while it is right and proper to witness and go door to door and uh, to go on the streets and to go to nursing homes and to go to the jail, which is what some uh, folks in church do. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a glorious, wonderful service to Jesus Christ. Oh, but listen, that's not all there is to serving Jesus Christ. Can I say that again? I said that's not all there is to the Christian life. And I have known men who have fallen into a deep pit right here because they come into a church. I Listen, I pastor an independent Baptist church, and we're very active in the community as far as uh, systematically getting the gospel out to different places. We go to the prison, the jail. We go to the street corner. We go to doors. We go uh, uh, door to door to, in neighborhoods. We go uh, to the nursing homes. 
and we present the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is a wonderful, wonderful thing. But I've known men who get in a snare because they come in and they begin to involve themselves in all of those activities and those outreaches, which is good. But here's where the problem comes in. They begin to look around on other people who don't seemingly uh, serve as faithfully in those uh, outreaches or who are seemingly inactive. And they begin to feel a superiority in their heart that they are a, quote, better Christian and, quote, more spiritual than some other guy who doesn't go out on the streets or who doesn't go door to door. Now, listen, as a pastor, I encourage church members to get involved in church outreaches. But here, what I'm telling you is our vocation is not just performed from time to time in a few outreaches and in a few services throughout the week at church. Our vocation is every day. Listen, the Bible says to born again believers that when Christ who is our life shall appear. Did you get that? He is our life. That's the, that's the view. That's the attitude. He's not just something we do on Sunday mornings. He's not just a God we serve occasionally when we go out with our church. He is our life. He's bought us with a price, and we're supposed to yield and surrender our bodies to his lordship to do with us as he sees fit. So our vocation may include some outreaches with our church, but our vocation is all the time. Let me give you an example. Uh, Jesus Christ, during his earthly ministry, made some great statements in the Gospel of John. In fact, one time, have you ever considered this? Jesus Christ, when he was manifest, God manifest in the flesh, he came down, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And he said these words in John 5.30, Jesus Christ, while here on the earth, said, I can of mine own self do nothing. And he was speaking of, he can do nothing of his own self because he is always looking to the Father. And in John chapter 6, I'm sorry, John chapter 8, verse 29, he says, I do always those things that please him. So no matter what Jesus Christ was doing, he was always uh, yielded to the will of his heavenly Father. He was always in tune and in obedience to his heavenly Father at all times. So he could honestly say in John 8, 29, I do always those things that please him. Now let me show you something. In Luke chapter 2, you know what he, when he said, I do always those things that please him, when you begin to examine the life, the earthly ministry, the earthly life of our Lord Jesus Christ, you find out that he wasn't always preaching a sermon, and he wasn't always raising the dead or healing the sick or anything like that. No, there was times that he did things as simple as being subject unto his parents. In other words, he listened to what they had to say. He obeyed his stepdaddy and his mother. Uh, we find him eating fellowship, uh, eating meals and fellowshipping with uh, Pharisees like Simon. We find him eating and fellowshipping with uh, down outcasts like uh, Levi the publican. We find him eating and fellowshipping with friends of his, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And so listen, he was doing, when he was eating those meals and fellowshipping with those people, you know what he was doing? He was doing those things that pleased the Father. We find him preaching. We find him doing a lot of things. We find him ministering to the hungry and witnessing to sinners in his day-to-day -day life. Wasn't he sitting on a well one time and a woman showed up there and he began to expound the, the great truths of eternal life to this woman and she went away rejoicing in her newfound Savior? Do you remember that? John chapter 4, we find him girding himself with a towel and getting down at the feet of some fishermen and his 12 disciples, including uh, Judas Iscariot, 
who was a devil and who was about to betray him for 30 pieces of silver. And he gets down and humbles himself and washes their feet. And then, of course, soon after that, he was betrayed into the hands of sinners and he went to the cross and died for me and for you. What's my point? Well, my point is this. Jesus Christ said, I do always those things that please him. And all of these incidents, uh, incidences that I've just uh, quickly gone through were all pleasing. Someone would say, well, which one was more important? Which one was when, when, when was he more spiritual? When he was preaching the Sermon on the Mount or when he was washing the disciples' feet or when he was eating at Simon's house? And the answer is none of those things were superior because here's the deal. He was always in subjection and yielded to the will of his Father. And here's the point that I want to drive home in this simple thing out of Ephesians 4.1. Christian friend, listen to me. You're not spiritual because you preach on a street corner. You're not more spiritual than somebody else because you go to a nursing home or because you feed the hungry. No, listen, our entire life belongs to him and everything we do, if we recognize his leadership and recognize him in us, becomes an act of worship and service to God. Now, if you get nothing else out of this broadcast today, please get that because it changes everything. Let me apply it so you understand. One time, my dear wife, who is the mother of uh, four beautiful children that God has blessed us with, one day I was uh, getting ready to go out and head out for our public ministry on a Saturday. She had a big day at the house planned there, and she had just cooked breakfast, and she was cleaning up and getting ready to get the kids ready for the day. And she looked at me and she said, you know, I feel bad sometimes as a pastor's wife. I feel like I need to be out there publicly witnessing with y'all more often. And, uh, you know, I told her, I said, listen, what you're doing today is just as important as what I'm about to go out the streets and do. Uh, God has called me as the pastor of this church to lead the charge, and I'm going out there. And I said, you come out occasionally when you can. And so my wife comes out once every uh, four to six weeks. She, she comes out there and stands with me on the street corner, and I love it, and it's a blessing. But her staying home does not make her unspiritual. You know why? Because she's been called by God to train those children and to be a mother to those children and to love on those children and take care of those children. And my point is this, her vocation and my vocation, we may be doing different things, but we're still serving the same Lord and Savior. In other words, when she gets down and prays with them little ones and she reads those stories to them and she loves on them and she changes dirty diapers and makes meals, listen, do you think God is, is not looking upon that? How about this? You've heard in church history of men by the name of John and Charles Wesley. Charles Wesley writing some of the great hymns of the faith that we still enjoy and sing. John Wesley, the great field preacher who led hundreds of thousands into the uh, experience of the new birth and preached the gospel all the days of his life and helped send uh, early Methodism over here that helped evangelize much of the southeast of the United States. Listen, do you think that those men, yeah, they're wonderful men. It's wonderful to read about them. Uh, but listen, they had a mother, Susanna Wesley. Do you think in heaven that Miss Susanna is going to be overlooked she raised 19 children, and two of them became some of the great men and some of the great characters in church history over the last 300 years. Now you say, what is that? I'm saying God is a fair and a just God. He knew and he knows what mothers go through and what they do for their children. Hey, how about this? Timothy had a grandmother named Lois and a mother named Eunice. Now, according to Acts chapter 16, it was the Apostle Paul who led Timothy to saving faith in Jesus Christ. All but listen. 
Lois and Eunice had great faith, unfainted faith, the Bible says. And in 2 Timothy 3, the Bible says that Timothy had known the Holy Scriptures from a child. Let me ask you a question. Who taught Timothy the Scriptures? Who sowed those seeds that would one day blossom into a new birth for him? Oh, listen, it was those two dear ladies in Timothy's life, namely Lois, his grandmother, and Eunice, his mother. What's my point? My point is, no matter what we do, where we find ourselves, at work, at play, with our relatives, with our family, we are still Christians, and we have always, we're always called to, to serve Jesus Christ. Our vocation is to bring pleasure and honor and glory to him. And so my point is this, you can be surrendered and yielded to your Savior at work and be serving him just like someone who goes door to door and presents the gospel to the community. Now understand today, I am not, I'm not bad-mouthing outreaches from the local church. I'm trying to get you to see that there is a practical vocation here that we're talking about where every day you have opportunity to serve God in an acceptable and pleasing way. Because remember, Jesus said, I live by the Father, and as I live by the Father, so shall you live by me. How did he live by his father? He was always in tune with the will of the father. And he could say in John 8, 29, I do always, always those things that please him. And so whether he was eating a meal and fellowshipping with sinners, whether he was washing the feet of his disciples or honoring his stepdaddy and his mother, those things were pleasing to God Almighty. And that ought to encourage you because if you'll live by Jesus Christ, then every day can be a day full of victory and a fulfillment of your vocation and your calling because you're always in tune and always doing those things that please the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you something. When Jesus Christ is living through you, what you actually become is a living sample of your Savior. What man uh, who owns a business would not want to hire Jesus Christ to work for him? Well, can I tell you something, Christian? If you'll get plugged in and hooked up with that divine truth that Christ is in you and that the Holy Ghost will lead you, if you'll get hooked up with that, you can be, you can be a manifestation of that very thing. You can work for a man and, and have an employer where you can serve that employer and do the will of God while you're serving that employer. Because remember, when Jesus Christ is in you, if you get a hold of this, it's no longer you that lives. Remember Galatians 2.20, but Christ. Remember what he said? It's not I, not I, not I, but Christ. Oh, Christian friend, listen to me. This is some truth you need to get a hold of. We have a vocation, every one of us, and that vocation, it never stops until we go home to glory. And in this earthly journey, we are here to please our Heavenly Father and to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And in doing that, by doing that and allowing God to work in us, as we do that, everything we do becomes service to Jesus Christ. Why, even in Ephesians 6, the same epistle we're in, uh, the, the Apostle Paul tells servants, those who were uh, slaves, if you will, and had masters, he told them, he said, servants, this would work for an employee-employer relationship. He said, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in singleness of heart, listen, as unto Christ. You tell me, preacher, I, you don't understand. I've got the, the worst boss in history. Well, that's all right. Turn him over to Jesus Christ. And you serve that boss as though it was Jesus Christ. 
And he says this, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ. Here it is, doing the will of God from the heart, even in serving an employer. That can be doing the will of God if you're aware of your vocation. It's all day, every day. Dear God, give us some more of these victorious uh, Christians in this life that we might recognize who we are in Christ and the fact that he is always with us and that you've called us to a vocation. I hope this will help you. And uh, we don't have time to look at the third point, but there's power for this vocation. And that's why we read the closing of Ephesians 3, because it spoke of being strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. It spoke, to, spoke of being filled with all the fullness of God and how that God works a power that has a power working in us. And that's none other, none other than the spirit of God. Listen, God, the Holy Ghost can make it possible for you to live a victorious life. That's all the time we have this week. Thank you for tuning in. Until next week, may the Lord bless you as you serve him.